Uh, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. And I am going to shut the clock face so I don't look at it. Second uh, Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. Here we go. Let's stand in the honor of reading God's Word as we look at what pleases our Lord. Let's be reminded of the text that has caused us to search deep into the Scriptures to answer the question, what pleases the one who enlisted us? 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. And all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. All right, you may be seated. So we have, we've been looking at what pleases the Lord because of uh, this verse. And the the reason we want to uh, please the Lord is that pleasing the Lord is absolutely essential in spiritual warfare. It's, It's part of the means by which God delivers us from evil. So when we pray, delivers from evil, part of the means that God has answered that prayer is by us living lives that are pleasing to Him. And, and we see here uh, from 2 Timothy that what a soldier does is they strive to live a life that is pleasing to the one who enlisted them. That's, that's ever that soldier's goal. He doesn't get wrapped up in everyday events. Uh, in other words, he, he never forgets, a soldier never forgets that he is at war. Instead, he's always seeking to please the one who made him a soldier. He's always remembering his identity and, and remembering his enlister in his uh, identity. So, so if we're going to be delivered from evil, uh, if we're going to be delivered from evil as we're praying, then part of the means by which uh, God achieves that purpose is by us living lives that are pleasing to Him. And so we ask the question, what does please the Lord? And and we've really narrowed it down to two big categories. Uh, we've narrowed it down and then filled a bunch of stuff in those two big categories. First is, it pleases the Lord when we fear the Lord. The Lord tells us that please Him when we fear Him, that when we have faith in Him because we are amazed by His glory and holiness. And we looked at that for uh, weeks and months on end. Uh, and then now we're seeing another passage, uh, a group of passages, the Lord says it pleases the Lord when we love Him and love others. When we love God and love others. And we love God with all that we are, all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we love our neighbors as ourselves. That The Lord says that pleases Him. These are things that are pleasing to the Lord, to your enlister. Things that your enlister explicitly says, hey, this is pleasing to me. Not things that we look at and go, well, I think this would be pleasing to the Lord. These are things that your enlister has said, hey, this is what pleases me. So again, we don't have to go around saying, oh man, I've got to please, if I'm going to do good in spiritual warfare, I've got to please the Lord. I wonder what pleases him, uh, he tells us, uh, and then through his spirit, uh, gives us both the power and the will to do these uh, very things. So we've looked now, as we've been looking at loving God and loving others, we've looked at a few passages that talk about uh, some that talk about both loving God and loving others. We've looked at uh, groups of passages that talk about loving God, passages that say lo- about loving Him and say that, that this please Him. Again, all these are not just passages about loving God or passages about loving others, but passages where certain aspects of loving God, he says, are very pleasing to Him, where he specifically calls them pleasing to Him. So we've looked at passages like that. We've looked at passages uh, on loving God, but we haven't really looked at the commands uh, that would fall, uh, that he says are pleasing him, but would fall under the category of loving others. We haven't really spent a week uh, doing that. Now, we've got had some examples the last few weeks, like do justice, um, that, that we would have steadfast love, that we would love steadfast love. Uh, we saw last week that we don't neglect to do good. 
and that we don't neglect to share. So all of those things are aspects uh, and normally within other passages that talk about loving God uh, and loving others. But, but where can we get a list of other things that God says, hey, this is pleasing to me and that fall under this category of loving others. So what are some other passages where we can see God says, you do this toward others and that's pleasing to me. Because again, this can be absolutely essential in our spiritual warfare, uh, where if we're going to please the one who enlisted us, in order to be a good soldier, we have to know what pleases him, and here's what he tells us. So let's look at a few of those. And again, these are going to be fairly simple. Uh, loving others is, is not a complex call or command from the Lord. Uh, in fact, that's what's so funny is, is when people are like, you know, what is the loving thing to do? When people ask what is the loving thing to do, I normally don't even have to tell them, right? I don't have to dig deep into my pastoral knowledge to tell them the loving thing to do. Normally, I just have to go, well, what do you think it is? And they're like, I know what it is. Uh, it's, not, it's not a complex thing. You normally know what's loving to do. And we're going to see it's fairly obvious here. So what are some things that the Bible says uh, this is uh, loving to others and it pleases the Lord? The first passage I want you to turn to is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Depending on how quickly we get through this passage, it will depend on how far we go uh, in this sermon if we just tie this into the, the next week. Uh, next week's is a little bit shorter, so we might end up doing that. Who knows? Uh, but we're going to see first today is it pleases the Lord when we love others by showing brotherly love, not pagan lust. Okay? Brotherly love not pagan lust. We're going to see that comparison that one of those is not loving others and one of those uh, is. Brotherly love, of course, being what is a love of others and that pleases the Lord. Look in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. He says, Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing and that you do so more and more. So, so these people know how to walk. They know how to please the Lord. Uh, they just need to do it and they need to do it more and more. So again, we see this as a, as a passage about things that are pleasing to the Lord, things they already know. And what were those instructions that were pleasing to the Lord that they already know? Look in verse two, for you know what instructions we gave you. So he says, you know how to please the Lord. You know what you should do. You just need to do it more and more. And so what were those instructions that you already know? Verse two, what we gave you through the Lord Jesus, for this is the will of God, your holification, for you to be holy, uh, and, and then, and then colon, which there's no colon in, in the Greek, but it fits perfectly. And what is that holification that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust, like the Gentiles who do not know God. So, so they're not supposed to walk. So you know how you're supposed to walk, right? And so he says, you know how you're supposed to walk, you know how you're supposed to please the Lord, and it's not in the pagan lust of the nations. And it's the word Gentiles, just the word nations of the, the ethnic. So you're not supposed to walk in the pagan lust of the nations. That's not pleasing the Lord, and you know that. You know that, Paul says. I've, I, we've taught you that. But what is interesting here, in terms of our loving your neighbor focus, is what he says in the next verse. Look at verse 6. That no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter because the Lord is an avenger in all things as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. So here we see sexual immorality and this is something we know. Sexual immorality isn't just a sin you commit 
against yourself and, and, and with yourself that affects only you. Sexual immorality is a wronging of your brother. It is not loving your brother. Sexual immorality here is a loving, is a wronging of your brother. So he says, don't commit sexual immorality because that's not loving your neighbor. So I want you to commit sexual immorality. Why? That no one transgress and wrong his brother. So when you commit sexual immorality, uh, it is not just a, a you sin. It is a sin against a brother. Sexual immorality. Uh, the word there is porneia, where we get the word porn uh, and pornography. Uh, that idea, sexual immorality is a wronging of your brother. It's not loving your neighbor. It's the opposite of loving your neighbor. So it's not surprising that that does not please the Lord. We know that loving others pleases the Lord. And so sexual immorality, which is a wronging of your brother, does not please the Lord. Look at verse 7. For God has not called us for impurity, but for holiness, which makes sense. His desire is our holification. So he hasn't called us to impurity. He's called us to holiness. That's why he's working our holification out. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. But then look at verse 9. Now, concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. So, so what did he say in the beginning? He said in the beginning, you, you have already been taught the type of walk that is pleasing to God. You already know what is pleasing to him. And it's not sexual immorality. So what is it? Verse 9. We get down to verse 9. And what is it they've been taught? Brotherly love. Sexual immorality is a wronging of their brother. He says, that's not what you've been taught. That does not please the Lord. What have you been taught? Brotherly love. Brotherly love is what they've been. So what pleases the Lord is when we love one another by showing love to one another, when we love each other as brothers, not lust like pagans, like the nations. Now, this is why our world is wrong. Not all love is love. It's not. The, the love that is pleasing to the Lord is, is love that is not just lust disguised as love like the pagans do. The pagans just disguise lust and call it love. And the Lord says, no, when that lust is, is actually a wronging of your brother. It's actually the exact opposite of, uh, of love. We often don't think of, of brotherly love as a spiritual war battlefield, but it is part of you being ready for spiritual war. Is you better be someone who loves the brothers, who is showing brotherly love to one another. And when we see brotherly love as the opposite of pagan lust, that just makes sense because we know, we know, what do we know about these pagan lust movements, whether it's uh, adultery or pornography or homosexuality or, or, or transgenderism? We know those are demonic, right? So it's not surprising. So that's obviously spiritual war. We would, they, we would say that is demonic. So the not doing of brotherly love is certainly demonic. The things that are wronging your brother, all that sexual immorality and all of that would fall into the category of sexual immorality. We know all those things are not loving your brother, that they are demonic at heart. So it's not surprising that staying out of those and instead doing the opposite of those and not lusting, but rather loving your brothers is also part of spiritual warfare. We would say that that when we hear about that and the growth that we go, oh, that's demonic, that's spiritual warfare. The devil is just trying to do whatever. Well, of course, if that's true of this lust, then the opposite side of that brotherly love is also a part of spiritual warfare, but it's spiritual warfare from the Lord. It is the advancement of his kingdom. 
It is the doing of his will. So, of course, brotherly love is going to be a part of spiritual warfare. Just as lust, the opposite, the enemy's work in in pagan lust is part of spiritual warfare. So also brotherly love. When we do that, when we love each other in a brotherly fashion, that's that's not just being decent. That's not just having good manners. That is part of spiritual warfare. And we must do it. We must be thinking about our obligation to show brotherly love to one another because it pleases our enlister. And so that's why a soldier who wants to prepare themselves for spiritual war, who's thinking about the spiritual war that they are in or might be in, who's wanting to please the one who enlisted them, will be a soldier who will fill their lives with brotherly love, not pagan lust. So anything to do with pagan lust, they want that out of their lives. Anything to do with brotherly love, they want it in. A good soldier prepared cannot take part in the lust that is a wronging of your brother and a hatred of God. They must take part instead. They desire to take part. They long to take part. They work to take part. They're thinking about their obligation to please the one who enlisted them by loving their brothers as themselves. That brotherly love is what the Lord says is pleasing and what Paul says, this is, this is what I've told you how to walk and what is pleasing to the Lord. Brotherly love, not pagan lust. So, so we, we, we see, what are we supposed to do? One of the things that pleases the Lord in loving others is when you show brotherly love, not pagan lust. So let's take that, let's take that brotherly love though and let's put it into action. Let's see what that, what that looks like. Let's put, a, the, the, let's put some meat uh, on its bones. Let's, let's get out of the sort of metaphorical, as you want you to brotherly love one another. Uh, let's get into the practical. What does that uh, look like? Because again, what pleases the Lord isn't just the idea of brotherly love, right? Isn't just the idea of you sitting there going, man, I really love these people. Now that's good if you're sitting there going, one, either not thinking about them or going, well, I don't love them. That would be bad. Uh, but we don't want to end in just the contemplative nature of brotherly love. It is expected that that brotherly love would take action. It would take root. It would, it would, ta- it would move from your heart into your limbs, into your life. Uh, and we, we see that. And we see that, that brotherly love isn't just an idea, but, but, but God wants the exercise of, of brotherly love. It, it's not just what you think or feel that is true brotherly love, but what you do. So let's look at some examples of brotherly love, brotherly love in action that the Lord says pleases him. Okay, so one of the examples of brotherly love in action that pleases the Lord. First, turn to Proverbs chapter 11. Proverbs chapter 11. It pleases the Lord when we show love to one another by being honest. By being honest. Okay, and again, like I said, this is not, this is not some deep, this is not some deep, uh, you know, new theology that we need to get for what does it mean to love your brothers. It's fairly basic and some would even say banal, but, but, but it's good. It's what we need to make sure we're doing. We need to make sure we're, we're skipping and we're going to see that as the world falls into evil and sin, these are the things that are lost. As the world loses in terms of spiritual warfare, as the enemy uh, advances in certain things, this, these are the things that are lost. Uh, So the first, the Lord wants us to love our brothers by being honest. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 1. A false balance is an abomination to the Lord. So what are things that are abomination to the Lord? Homosexuality, false balances. Uh, False balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his pleasure. 
is his delight. We're going to Chick-fil-A it. Is his pleasure here? Because it's the same word. Uh, it's his pleasure. Now, this is, again, a, this is a common refrain in the, in the book of Proverbs. It's something that God hates, which we'll see when we get to the book of Proverbs in however long it'll be till we get there. Uh, that God hates. God hates injustice. And that includes injustice in personal dealings uh, between people, even, even when those personal uh, dealings are, are something as, as uh, simple as buying and selling stuff, that the Lord cares about that. It's something that he hates when injustice takes place and something as simple as uh, buying and selling between uh, people. Here God says that he hates that it is an abomination when someone uses a false, in Hebrew the idea is, is deceiving uh, or deceitful balance. So when someone is using a deceitful balance, a false balance, the idea being uh, you, you go to buy a, 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 a pound, of, pound of olives. I don't know why anyone would buy a pound of olives, uh, but let's say you're being punished. You have to go buy a pound of olives, but your parents are like, you know, you go. It's like when you used to have to go get a switch, you know, off the tree. You go and you get your own olives. You come back, you're gonna have to eat those. Uh, like, oh no. Uh, but it, I did be. But I want to make it like Israel and Hebrew. So you go to buy a pound of olives, uh, and you get there, and and and, and instead of you know, uh, they they get a pound of olives, and and my scale says that's really a, a pound and a half. So you get a pound of olives, you put it on my scale, and my scale reads pound and a half. Uh, and not because, it's a, not because it's miscalibrated or something like that, not just because there's a, there's a mistake there. I've done it. There's an intentionality to, to this scale. It is, it is a false scale. It is a deceptive scale. I've done it intentionally uh, to steal from you for my benefit. So I just tweet. Of course, I wouldn't do a pound and a half because people would know that, but I might do, you know, a pound and a couple ounces. You know, it shows on the scale. And you go, oh, well, you know, you're a couple ounces over, you know. I have to charge you, charge you for that. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, the Lord hates that. The Lord hates that type uh, of activity. He hates that kind of stuff. Example, Proverbs 20, verse 10, uh, it says, unequal weights and unequal measures are both alike an abomination to the Lord. In fact, this was this is not something new in Proverbs. The Lord actually put this in the law. This is one of the one of the last things in the law, sort of the summation of here in Leviticus 19. Uh, one of the last parts where he says, This is what my people do and how my people act. Leviticus 19, 35 through 37 says this: You shall do no wrong in judgment, in measures of length or weight or quantity. So what does the Lord care about for his people? He cares about even this. You shall have just balances, just weights, just ephahs, and a just hen. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, and you shall observe all my statutes, all my rules, and do them. I am the Lord. So this is an important thing. The Lord didn't just add this to something later. He goes, oh, by the way, don't cheat people. Uh, being honest is something that's in the very law of God. He says, as my people, as though, look, you need to do this. I brought you out of Egypt. This is what you do. What do you do? You don't, you be honest. You don't be deceptive. You don't be unjust and try and steal, uh, steal from people. But again, we're not, we're not focusing on what God hates. Uh, although that is part of what we, we could look at. We, what he hates is certainly not pleasing to him. So things that he hates, we've seen before, those are not pleasing uh, to the Lord, so you don't want to do those. But but the second half of this verse uh, in in Proverbs eleven is what is what is pleasing to Him. It says a a just weight. So so a false balance might be an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is His pleasure. That is what pleases 
him. The word there for for just is not the normal word for just. It's like when you're reading about someone being, uh, you know, the the Lord made them just or just and righteous. It's a it's a it's the word actually for full, which makes sense when you're thinking about scales and weights and, and balances. The idea being you're not skimping on your weights. They're the full weight. They are the correct weight. So a just a full weight is his delight so uh, that when you weigh it, it is a just measurement, a, a, not, a, not a deceptive one. So the Lord is pleased uh, when we are just in our dealings with one another, when we are honest. The Lord, it pleases the Lord when his people are honest. In fact, you go all the way back to that Leviticus 19 passage. He says, this is part of the character of, of his people, the character of his people that was supposed to speak to the pagan nations, the character of his people that was supposed to show them there's something amazing about their God, and it was seen in their honesty to everyone. So the Lord is pleased when we show love to one another by being honest, not trying to take advantage of one another, not trying to deceit or trying to deceive one another. Uh, what someone owes, they pay. We don't try and get more. Uh, at their expense. Now, again, that might seem like an unspiritual thing, just to be honest. Why would God care about that? But, but he does. Cares about it a lot. To not do it is an abomination to him. Uh, and to do it, to have that full, just weight, is his delight. He delights in us when we are honest with our dealings, be they personal or business it delights the Lord. It pleases the Lord when we do that. So if a soldier who wants to please the Lord, a soldier who wants to fight well in spiritual warfare, it pleases the Lord when we love uh, our brothers by being honest. Okay? By uh, being honest. Uh, next, it pleases the Lord when we are faithful. Okay? Pleases the Lord when we are faithful. So, the, the Lord wants us to exercise what pleases the Lord when we do brotherly love, not pagan lust. What sort of brotherly love are we talking about? Being honest, uh, being honest people, uh, and being faithful people. Turn to Proverbs chapter 12. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 22 talks about this. Uh, says, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. So we're stacking up the abominations here. Uh, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his pleasure, okay? They're his pleasure. Again, they're his delight, his pleasure. Same idea. Again, we, we see this example of what God hates, what is an abomination to him, and, and what pleases the Lord. Well, the Lord hates lips that lie. The Lord hates lips that lie. But those who act faithfully, those who literally do faithfulness, are a delight to him. They please him. Again, that's something very similar to what we saw in that first point. But here we see dishonest lips uh, versus honest actions. Those who lie with their mouths versus those who do what they say. Uh, the word, therefore, faithfulness is an interesting word. Uh, it's where we get the word uh, amen. Uh, it's amina. 
The idea is, is do what you say. Let it be, Lord. Let it be. That's what you say. Amen. You're saying sort of let it be. And, and, and when we say here, when it, when it says here, the, the, the person who acts amena, the person who does what they say, someone who is faithful is someone who does what they say. It pleases the Lord. It pleases the Lord when we are faithful and do what we say we will do. Do what we have promised to do. The Bible says that Christians should be people who aren't always trying to get out of their promises. But people who, when they say yes, they mean yes. And when they say no, they mean no. And that makes sense. That makes sense as a, as a useful tool against the evil one. A, a useful tool in spiritual warfare. Because Satan is what? Satan is the father of lies. We cannot fight the father of lies with lying. In this case, you do not fight fire with fire, right? Uh, that's not what you do. Well, if Satan's going to lie. I'm going to lie even harder. Uh, I'm going to show him who's really the most powerful liar. That's not how it works. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. But here we see being faithful, doing what you say is, uh, is a delight to him, is a pleasure to him. So uh, Satan, we cannot fight the father of lies through lying or through falsehood. That's not us. What do we do? How do we fight that battle? We are faithful and we are true. We're faithful and true. And so it pleases the Lord when we love others by being faithful, when we mean what we say and we do what we say. Uh, as Christians, uh, that's something that must be true of our lives. It pleases the Lord when his people mean what they say and do what they say. We won't get into the next two this week. We'll add those uh, Children, you're lucky because one of those is children obey your parents, so you get a week of disobedience. Uh, but, uh, well, not really. Please don't do that. Um, but uh, let's talk about some of the uses uh, from that, and then we'll, uh, we'll look at those next week and tie them uh, to, some, to some more. Um, the first, first use for us from, from what we've seen about how the Lord describes it, how can we take what we've read and, and put it in, uh, and apply it? Uh, you must make sure that your life is driven by brotherly love. And that means you must also make sure that your life is not dipping its toe into the pagan lust of this world. To take part in pagan lust. So what happens often when we think about pagan lust is we think it's just a personal sin. It's just what I'm watching. It's just what I'm doing. It's just what I'm thinking. But here we see that this pagan lust is actually a wronging of your brother. The Lord equates it to a wronging of your brother. So you cannot be, but so if we know it pleases the Lord when, when we love our brothers and sisters, you cannot in spiritual warfare be in any way ready to take part in that spiritual warfare if you are loving your brother, but also taking part in pagan lust. Because pagan lust is, is, is a wronging of your brother. And pagan lust, pagan lust is what drives many in our world. They desire to do uh, whatever they want with whomever they want. I mean, these are marching orders for the evil one. And here we see it's actually a wronging of our brothers. Do whatever you want with whomever you want. But that's not how the Christian is called to live. It's not how you are called to live. We serve a different kingdom and a different king. Our call is to be driven by love, true love. It is brotherly love that pleases our God. And so as good soldiers... You must fill your life with love for your brothers. You want to prepare yourself for spiritual warfare, Christian. Fill your life with love for the brotherhood. Love the brotherhood, as Paul will say. 
That is spiritual warfare. That is a preparation for spiritual war. And the more you love your brothers, the less likely you will be to take part in any pagan lust. The less likely you will be to take part in pagan lust. So if you're someone who struggles with lust in thoughts or actions, one of the great antidotes to that, one is to realize you're working with the devil. That should hopefully be a good antidote, uh, is to realize that you are taking part in the works of the devil. You are taking part in the works of the Gentiles, of the works of the nations. Uh, You're taking part in evil. You are wronging people. When you do it, you're wronging your brothers. When you do that, recognize that, but also realize a great buffer against that is to love your brothers and sisters as hard as you can, as much as you can. Think about your brothers. Think about brotherly love and, and, and set your life to be filled with brotherly love. That's one of the things that is going to help you in the fight. So what sort of brotherly love are we talking about? Well, that's why those next things can be very helpful. Because I'm not just talking about brotherly uh, love in a metaphorical sense or just an ethereal sense. Very practically, what sort of brotherly love can we do? You must be an honest man. You must be an honest man, Christian. The world will tell you to do what you need to do to get yours. That is not how we live. That is not what pleases our enlister. What pleases God is when we are honest in our dealings with others. When we do not try and take advantage. When we do not try and cheat people even though we could. Christians must be the most honest workers. They aren't trying to get paid for work they didn't do. They aren't trying to make what they didn't earn. They're the worker that when the boss is looking away, doesn't immediately find the shade tree and doesn't, you know, mosey about till the boss comes back that is working and is working hard where they've been told they will get paid this much for this much time of work and they work hard that whole time. They might have chances to get out of it and only work 45 minutes out of the hour, but they will not do that because that is an unjust balance. That is an un, it is a false balance. You're asking to get paid. Like if, the, if your boss came back and said, I'm only paying you for 45 minutes, you said, how dare you? Uh, but you willingly only work 45 minutes because no one is watching. That cannot be. Just because you can do it doesn't mean you should. I remember the time when I was young and an idiot, uh, just not long ago. Uh, I remember when I was 16 working in a trophy manufacturing plant, which is awesome uh, because that's really the only way I was going to get any trophies in my life was just to make them, hand them to myself after work. Uh, but I was working in that trophy manufacturing plant and there was, there was time we'd have to go and file all the files. File, 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 file. And we'd move all these files for all these schools and all these trophies. And these file things were amazing because they were on big giant spindle deals. You could spin them and the whole filing cabinets would move. It was great because you could roll them in such a way that you could get back there and sleep and no one would know it. Uh, and I remember at the end of the day, uh, one of the workers told me, hey, when everyone's gone, like do what you can. But then if you just get tired, just go sit back there. No one really cares. Uh, just sit back there. And, and I remember the times that I took naps. That was so dishonest. That was because I expected to get paid. I didn't go and clock out and then take a nap. By all means, you could do that. Uh, go clock out and take a nap. Uh, that was a dishonest. That was a thieving. Again, it was, it was a, that was a loss in spiritual warfare on my part. Didn't feel like it at the time. It was a 16-year-old. Like, just didn't feel like I was, you know, committing this, this heinous act. But what I was doing was not pleasing to the Lord. Uh, it was not loving my neighbor. It was dishonest. Christians should be the, the most honest workers. And Christians should also be the most honest employers. They should be the most honest bosses. The most honest masters. Uh, 
As Christians, we aren't trying to thrift and squeeze either. Christians, we don't want to get paid for what we don't do. And as Christians, we want to pay for work that is done. We don't try to thrift and squeeze people to withhold what is due. We must be honest in our dealings with it. That's part of spiritual warfare. Pleases the Lord, and that makes it part of spiritual warfare. You being honest and battling to be honest, knowing you could get more than what you deserve, and the temptation to do that is a spiritual warfare. Knowing that you could pay less than what is owed is spiritual warfare. Seeing that at the grocery store they might have run that thing through and not charged you. Temptation is, well, I mean, it's their fault, not mine. Uh, that's a, that's a spirit, that is a spiritual warfare sort of issue. It is a lack of honesty. It's getting something that they're expecting that you pay, and you know you didn't pay for it, uh, but you go, ah, their fault, not mine. <laughs> those, those sorts of things are spiritual. It's, it's spiritual warfare because doing such things are not pleasing the Lord, and if you're a soldier who's not pleasing the Lord, your soldier's not ready for a fight. And, and again, if you can do it on something as simple as, as that, and if you're like, wait, no, I want my extra bag of Cheetos that they didn't charge me, and you're like, I will never give that up, uh, well, that kind of shows how prepared you are for spiritual warfare, right? Uh, if you're like, by no means, you know, I got to get that, yeah, that shows uh, where we're at. It pleases the Lord when we love our brothers by uh, being honest. It also, uh, not only must you be an honest man, you must be a faithful man. You must, Christian, you must be a faithful man. Christians must be promise keepers, not promise breakers. Satan is a liar, and he has been from the beginning. He is the father of lies. We were his children, but we are not so anymore. And we must strive to remove any vestiges of that old life from our current one. And that doesn't mean that we don't lie with our lips. It also means that we're faithful with our lives. You must be someone who does what they say. Now, that means one of the ways we can protect with this is to make sure that we are not rash with our lips, either in lying or in over-promising. The Christian lips aren't all... The the Lord doesn't say, let your yes be yes, and then never say no. Always let it be yes. Uh, the, The Christian isn't always... Our lips aren't always yes, yes. Sometimes we need to say no. Why? Why do we need to say no sometimes? Because we know it is better to never vow a vow than to vow a vow and break it. We know that keeping our word is spiritual warfare. So when someone comes and asks us if we'll do something... And we want to do it, and maybe we want to help, but we know we might not actually be able to. You, we need to be very careful. Because what we say, if we say we're going to do it, we have obligated ourselves to do it. We have vowed, we have sworn to do it. And a Christian does not look for ways to get out of it. The Christian, like Jesus says, the Christian is, is not looking for ways to be like, well, I swore by the temple, not by God. Uh, I didn't use the Lord's name, so I didn't break that command. I didn't use the Lord's name in vain. I just, I just swore by the temple. Or I just swore by earth. Or I just swore by whatever. Uh, you know, a Christian doesn't do that. A Christian knows if they say it, they're going to do it. If they swear it, they will uh, abide by it. And it's, you know, it's, it's interesting. You look at our world around us. When a society crumbles into evil, one of the items lost is the value of a man's word. When society falls into evil, one of the items lost is the value of a man. So you go back and you watch all these old movies, and it's like, my word is my bond, and I shook hands with him. And today, if, if we saw that in a movie today, we'd be like, oh, what an idiot. Uh, to think that he could just say it, and that people would expect him to keep it. I mean, come on. We don't think about it, but a, but a sign of evil in society. <laughs> we, have, we, we have a whole realm of workers 
a whole cast of the workforce whose job from nine to five every day of the week, a job they normally pull up to in really nice vehicles, their job is to get us out of what we promised to do. We have a whole cast of workers whose job, we call them lawyers, uh, whose job is to enable you to get out of what you promised to do. People who make a living helping others not do what they said and possibly even what they signed. That's the state that we're in. That's the state of our society. That's how much faithfulness has been lost. Forget the value of a man's word. A man's signature doesn't even mean anything anymore. It cannot be so for us as Christians. It pleases the Lord when we are faithful. And so you must, Christian, be a faithful man. You must. What you say, you must do. If you aren't going to do it, just don't say it. But if you do say it, then you must keep it. People must know that we are honest and faithful in everything. It's what was supposed to mark out God's people since the beginning, and it should continue to mark us out today. They were supposed to be prepared for spiritual war against the nations into which they were going, the kingdom into, kingdoms into which they were uh, assaulting as the people of God entering the promised land. And Christian, we are taking the gospel of the kingdom into this dark world. They were to equip themselves with honesty and integrity. That's what their soldiers are supposed to do. We're supposed to do the same. You want to handle spiritual warfare where? You want to please the Lord? Seek brotherly love, not pagan lust. Be honest and be faithful. Simple things, but powerful things. Matters of spiritual warfare, not insignificant actions. Remember that. Seek that, pray to be that, and then live it. Let's pray. As we think about what is pleasing to the Lord, and as we pray, the Lord has spoken to us. May we take and eat what He has spoken. May it change us. And you've seen today what the Lord has said is pleasing Him. We know that soldiers long to please the one who enlisted them. And we, we swore at the beginning of service, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Are we already willing to be unfaithful in that? Are you seeing something that the Lord has spoken and yet you are not willing to do it? That must not be true. We know what is pleasing. These are the things that are pleasing to the Lord. The great thing is, as we'll see more next week, these are also the things that your Lord did. This is the life that He lived. You want to do this? Imitate. Imitate Him. Because the evil one wants you. And you want to be delivered. Well, then your captain has told you how to live. Satan wants to sift you. Fix your eyes on Christ. Imitate Him. Fill your life with brotherly love, not pagan lust. Be honest and be faithful. They seem simple. And they are simple. But they're not nothing. They're powerful. They're the opposite of how the evil one lives. And exactly as how Christ lived. Now He's always called His people to live. Christians have always been called to live these lives of honesty and faithfulness. It hasn't changed. 
the war hasn't changed. Neither has the call. We know what pleases the Lord. May we do it for his glory and for our good. Father, we come to you today and we know, Lord, that these things you are calling us to are not new things. And they seem simple, and, and yet, Father, we, we've got to understand that it is a simplicity that might make us forget them. We might think that we have moved beyond these elementary things. And so we're not checking these gates to make sure that, 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 that the enemy doesn't get in through these simple doors. We're busy looking at other things, examining other avenues, new things, new areas, new growth. And we can sometimes forget, Father, the simple lives that we are called to live of honesty and faithfulness. Where we live, where, where we live lives that uh, we say what we mean and we do what we say. That that's a part of spiritual warfare. That we'd remember, Father, that those are the exact opposite of what the evil one wants us to do. He will try and get us to shirk those things and think that they are insignificant shirkings. To think that there are insignificant things in our life to not be honest in this little thing. To think it's insignificant to say something, but then not actually do it. I mean, who does anyway? But we know that you've told us these are not insignificant. These are powerful tools by which your people press back against the kingdom of darkness and advance the kingdom of the sun. That that's been true from your people as they entered the promised land, and it is true of us, as we press into this new heavens and new earth, that, Father, we see all things made new by us doing something very simple. Loving one another, being honest, and being faithful. Help us to do these things. Help us to see them as powerful. And so help us to meditate and commit to do them, to think about ways to do them more, to be as honest as we can be, as faithful as we can be, that every word, every action we would, we would look at and see as a, as a possible tool to crush the head of the serpent. And something that if we do not do it, an avenue by which the evil one could tear apart us and our homes and our church. Fix our eyes on our Christ, Father. Fix our eyes on Him so that we might see His life and imitate it. Nothing new, nothing amazing. Simple faithfulness, simple honesty, simple brotherly love. But something that the gates of hell cannot stop. Work these things in us, Father, and work the Things we'll look at next week as well. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.